This week, we talk about the difference between healthy urgency versus unhealthy urgency, and whether or not it's realistic to hire a team of entirely high urgency people. Let's go. Welcome to Startup to Last, a podcast about building profitable software businesses that are meant to last. Hi, I'm Tyler. I run a bootstrap SaaS company called Less Annoying CRM. I'm Rick. I run a software-enabled services company called Leg Up Health. What's up this week, Tyler? I got the Rona. <laughs> it got me. Do you feel I, like relief from having it? Um, or do you feel like it really sucks and you wish you hadn't had it? It wasn't too bad for me. I was out sick for a few days last week. Uh, I'm pretty much fine now, except I think I'm probably going to lose my voice by the end of this episode, but otherwise I feel fine. Um, no, yeah. I I mean, obviously, I'd rather have not had it, but I there is a weird feeling of like, for the next month or two, I'm kind of invincible, right? I can go do whatever I want. So uh, I'm not totally mad at it. That's true, right? You've got some immunity. Yeah. I mean, I know it's not perfect. And I think recent data says like it really like back in the day it was like people thought they were immune maybe forever and now i think it's like like a month or something but like I, i'm probably more cautious than most people with covid and so now i'm like well i'm, I'm just gonna go eat indoors and do all that stuff as much as i want for the next <laughs> month basically <laughs> yes infect as many people as you can i'm just kidding yeah um. no. <laughs> well i got it in mexico at a bachelor party so i feel like i i really got it the right way like if you're gonna get a virus that's how you do it I feel like you've been doing a lot of travel uh, lately. Like, what? Where have you been? You've been to Mexico. Where's it? Somewhere in Wyoming or something? Boston. Boston. Uh, well, Portland, Maine slash Boston was oh, the cool. other trip. Uh, I was way off. Yeah, when I say I'm being careful, I'm not being like that careful. But <laughs> you know, I eat outside when I can. Things like that. <laughs> well, I feel like you got COVID, and you, but you sound better. What? What's the? What did you change? Yes, yes. So I'm so embarrassed about our last episode because two things happened. First of all, we use this tool called ZenCaster to record our episodes and it like produces it and mixes it all together. For some reason, it just gave me 15 minutes of the episode last time and I never listened to it. I just upload it. Uh, so we uploaded a 15 minute episode. I then went in and fixed it, but like podcast players never update once they've downloaded it, it never gets updated. So apologies if you got the 15 minute version. <laughs> Additionally, last episode, I was like, I got this new thing for my mic. I think finally my, my sound quality is going to be better. And it was the worst it's ever been. So egg on my face there. But I think it's better now. Does it sound better finally? Yes, so much better in my opinion. But then again, <laughs> like I really don't know these things. I feel like I told you it was good the last yeah. episode. and uh, Yeah, but I think it does sound better. Hopefully. So if, if it sounds terrible, uh, I'll, I'll have egg on my face yet again. But I've got like a very standard setup for like relatively high-end podcasting. I have a Shure SM7B microphone, which is like the good one. I have a cloud lifter. I have a Scarlett 2i2, which is my USB audio interface. It's a lot of equipment, but it's the very standard stuff. Like everybody has these exact things. And I was really surprised to find out you have to like go deep, deep, deep into the computer settings to get this Scarlett 2i2, my USB interface, to work properly. And it was surprisingly hard to figure that out. Um, so anyway, I think that that was causing my problems. And I think finally I've got it figured out. Nice. I'm just going to stick with my ATR 50, oh, yeah. 60 buck uh, mic. I feel like it's it just it's like a Subaru. It's good. It <laughs> I think do you sound great. every bit as good as I do. And you're, yeah, yours is 70 bucks and mine's like, I think I have $850 worth of equipment <laughs> here. There's no reason to do what I'm doing here. But at least now I think hopefully I'm not worse sounding. Than you. That's all I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping for now. You sounded better for a long time, so I, I feel like uh, you're probably going to leapfrog again. Um, what about uh, business stuff? Any updates there? Um, yeah, so, well, we're having a kind of good month for growth, which is nice. Not great or anything, but like we've been in a real slump recently, and this month has been fine. I have absolutely nothing interesting to say about it. I don't think it's... I don't think we fixed the problem. I don't think there's anything long term that has changed just you know sometimes you have ups and downs and this isn't up um so i just figured i'd say it to celebrate the win while i got it yeah like your 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 update is having a better than average month like you can't say it like any less emphatic than well that. yeah and it's still not good like back in the day a good month would have been plus fifty thousand dollars in arr in the month and like a pretty not a terrible but a pretty bad month would have been 30 this month we're looking at maybe breaking 30 maybe not even it's a better so, than average month. It's better than average recently. It would have been a <laughs> terrible month last year. 
But anyway, yeah, okay. I, I just like things are a roller coaster, and that's startup life, and yeah. Any know. is it is it uh, controllable at all, or do you feel like it's just seasonal? Um, any it's any probably insights? Not se- so I'll say the, the one reason I'm sort of optimistic about it is normally this is a very slow time of the year for us because our normal pattern is beginning of the year, big surge as people kind of set New Year's resolutions and stuff like that. Summer vacations hit and it really slows down, picks back up in the fall, and then it tanks in the holidays. That's our normal pattern. So it shouldn't be a seasonal boost. I would be surprised if it's that. Um our churn is just a little lower than average, and I think we had like one or two slightly bigger accounts, but there's really nothing interesting about it aside from just commiserating with all our listeners about how startups are a roller coaster. Nice. It's a but roller coaster, man. I see you've got a more actual celebratory uh, thing on your list. Yeah. Um, I feel, I can't remember. We're, at, we're, we're spacing out our podcasts enough to where we can't, I can't remember what we talked about last time. So it's, I, I think like last time I was saying like, Hey man, I feel like we're trying to control too much and we just need to go do shit. Um, was that the theme of the last podcast? Yeah, yeah. You were saying that like you were trying to systematize everything and have a process and you kind of prematurely scaled that stuff. Probably. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And um, and so basically, JD and I just basically said, we're just going to go do stuff and do whatever we need to do to grow. And since then, we've added like 10 clients. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but like multiple, like more clients that we've added in a month since JD has gone full time. And um, it just feels like every day there's some win to celebrate. And uh, yeah, yeah, so um, we were reflecting on it last week um, in our in our catch up call, and part of what what JD had to say was that even though we were maybe prematurely optimizing things and trying to control things, it did lead to some alignment that that uh, has kind of. Empower JD to really go faster now. So mm-hmm. it's it's hard to say like how much was worth it and how long whether we did it too long or too too much. Um, but as a result of the work that we've done, he's really off to the races. Like nice. It's it's like it's a snowball building, and it, it, you can feel the you can feel it start to building. Like it's like a, a rock running down the hill. It's starting to it's starting to roll. And so does this tie back to the decision to stop trying to processize stuff? Like is this just He's just doing all these one-off things and they're working or is, is there something else like some new channel that's kicking in or something like that? It's a lot of the, it's, yes, both. Um, I think he's doing a lot of different things, but, but it's not totally chaotic. Like it's not like I'm just going to walk down the street and see, you know, see what happens. <laughs> um, we're like, try, you know, that bullseye traction channel concept um, where you like, you have a couple of things that are working and you get them on autopilot and then you start trying new things. He's mm-hmm. doing that. Um, very systematically to a to an extent, but most of it's just going and doing stuff. Um, so he's, you know, we've, we we tried a lead vendor that didn't work as well as we thought it would. Maybe got maybe we got a client from it. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. We've he's doing outreach. Uh, you know, we, we're we're starting to look at partners more. Um, people are finding us online uh, through Google search. People who we've reached out to in the past are coming back. Um, that kind of stuff. Um, and then he's also like, we're, we're also like building out, you know, reviews on Google reviews and the, yeah. we got our first review this week, like nice. five stars, five stars. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of cool. So it sounds like, like the way I'm interpreting this is before you're saying like, and I get this logic, there's kind of a power law to things. And so one channel is probably going to be disproportionately better than the others. And let's find that and really go after that. And it sounds like now you're saying we're going to go shallow on like 20 different things and maybe not optimize any of them quite as much, which logically makes way less sense to me and practically has always worked better for me. <laughs> yeah. And then I think what we'll do is when something starts really, really working, that's when you specialize a little bit. And maybe that's hiring someone to do it or outsourcing a little bit or figuring out how to ramp up activity in that area. But I think like we're not like trying to make a noodle stick in this case. We're throwing a bunch of noodles and seeing what sticks. And yeah. Uh, I think that's the right way to go. Well, sorry to sound like a broken record. I'm about to repeat two things I've said multiple times throughout yeah. the last several episodes. So one thing is there are a lot of marketing channels that sort of kind of work at low volume and don't scale. Um, and I think it's more realistic to chain together a bunch of these non-scalable things than to find one that does. And the second one is like, so, so with Less Knowing Serum, we've never had a marketing channel work 
all that well. And yet we're at three, three and a half million dollars in revenue. So like <laughs> something happened, something worked, but we've never been able to tell that it worked. And I, the best theory I can come up with here is if you do all this stuff and you measure what's working and what's not, there's the stuff you can measure, but then there's also all this other serendipity you create out there. And if you're just like out in the world doing stuff, you're never going to know what thing was working. But if you've got 20 different things going on, it's somehow going to turn into a real business, even if you can never measure it. And it sounds like you're kind of experiencing that right now. A thousand percent. And, uh, and yeah. And so we're just like, just, we're just executing. And the other yeah, concept awesome. here that I, I, uh, I'm reading a book called Amp It Up. Um, it's, it's a book that, um, our CEO at Windfall asked, asked, uh, several people to read and it's really, really good. I think like, I really like the CEO and there's some things in there I think like would be really interesting to debate on this podcast. Um, and maybe I can bring <laughs> some of those concepts on, but one thing Let's I think we it. both agree on, uh, and I think you'd agree like very strongly with is this guy's like strategy doesn't matter if you can't execute. Like mm-hmm. you don't even know if a strategy works if you're, if you can't execute. So execution trumps each strategy for lunch all day, every day. And if you, and, and, and don't even talk to me about strategy until you can execute whatever we're doing right now. Okay, so I totally agree, but like the counter argument to this would be like that you could you could interpret this the wrong way and be like, well, I'm really busy, I'm doing lots of work, and it's none of it's bad work, and then you're like, well, you're you're doing stupid shit. Like that that doesn't work either. You need some direction in terms of what you're executing on, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think the 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 broader yes, but the broader point here is like if you can't do something and whatever it is that you're setting out to do and do it well, you don't know if it actually works. Yeah. Um, and so you can't reflect on it. And so I don't think like execution Trump strategy is a, is a knock against like reflecting on like reflecting on the effectiveness of your execution. Um, but I think it is saying like, we can talk strategy all day long and you can like have all the ideas in the world, but if you can't execute it, right. It's the same thing as like, you know, an idea is worth nothing, you know, in yeah. the startup world. Um, I it just, I think sometimes I get caught up in like the strategic narrative and like the, 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 the high level stuff. And it's like, you can come to that once you work out, once you're executing and make right. execution better, but you can't make a strategy work without execution. Well, a corollary to this is I think a really common startup mistake that the company you and I used to work at made this mistake is you're in startup mode and you have a little, in their case, they just raised some money or you've got enough money to hire somebody and you go out and you're like, I'm going to hire the VP of marketing from like, I'll pick a St. Louis company, like Enterprise Rent-A-Car. And it's like, that person's probably very talented at being the VP at a giant company. (laughs) They would be terrible at a startup. They don't know how to, they'd come in and they'd start putting plans together when it should be like, no, no, no. If on day one, you don't have a new ad campaign running, you messed up. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So... Um, yeah, I think JD and I think I fell victim to this a little bit. Um, and so I've corrected now and it's great because now JD's like executing and we can talk strategy on, on, on a basis of how it improves our execution, not like as the basis for our conversations by itself. Does this, does this affect how you view your role yes. in business? Because you, you are like naturally more of a strategy person. Are you yeah. coming in and saying, how can I, Rick, do more execution work? Yeah. I mean, this all flowed from, I think we talked about this in the last episode, but clarifying our roles um, mm-hmm. as partners like what the, the thing I asked JD that really set me free was what is success for me being a partner and I think also it's him for you to ask answer the same question for him like his job is to get us to 400 clients as quickly as humanly possible without like hating his job um, or some number like some half some half of that as quickly as possible and my job is to like basically make sure that we have enough money to get there, you know, and mm-hmm. he, you know, he, we could pay him and um, fund the campaigns or whatever else he needs to get there. Um, and then out, outside of that, it's like, what, <laughs> what else matters? Like take care but, of our clients. Like it doesn't okay, matter. Like, but you are going more execution mode with whatever other time you have, you think? Yes, I am. But not just execution mode, more like if it doesn't help JD get a client, does it matter? No, it's hmm. like if a tree falls in the in the woods, does it make a sound? No, I who cares? Like, yeah, I, I don't need to worry about like ninety percent of the things I was worrying about. Only do things like when I'm working on like a health, I have to ask myself: Is this leading to JD 
potentially adding a client. And if not, I'm not going to spend energy on it. And so what that means for me is mostly like thinking about how I can generate introductions to him with either for either someone in Utah who is a potential client, someone in Utah who knows someone who's a potential client um, or a potential partner. Yeah. Because like a, a month or two ago, you were working on rebranding the homepage yeah. of your website <laughs> yep. and stuff like that. And Threw that down. The, yeah. It's such yeah. a, it's so hard not to do that though, especially like I'm, I'm going through right now where I keep seeing stuff where I'm, cause I've been a little more hands off recently and I keep seeing stuff from like, man, those corners aren't rounded. Right. Or like, I don't like the copy on that page or whatever. And it's like that, that that's not the thing that we need. Right. I, now. So JD pushed back a little bit on me and, and, and JD, if you're listening, like I'd be interested in what you say about this, you know, in our next roundup. But like what, one thing he was saying was, one of the reasons he can confidently reach out to people now and his messaging has improved is that we did do some messaging work together to align on some core themes. We haven't applied that anywhere on the website or but we did come together and, and spend some like time crafting messaging and aligning on it. And so even though it hasn't made it to the website per se, it has made it into his conversations and to his email templates and it has given him confidence to move faster. So going back, would you like how much of what you did was right and how much of what you did was wrong? I think we called it pretty quickly. Uh, so I feel like so I don't It would have feel... been a mistake to keep going. Yes. But doing a little bit of it yes. was good. I feel like we 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 both kind of came in and we were like, okay, we didn't feel good about this last week. Why not? Well, we're not executing. Like, we didn't yeah, have these yeah. words, but, um, but, but it wasn't all for naught, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. It, it's good to align on important things about your business. Messaging is one of those things. Um, but you don't need to do that. You don't need to publish a new video on your website to line on messaging. You just need to talk about messaging. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel, yeah. I, sorry to belabor this point. Yeah. I'll be done after this, but like, I feel like this happens all the time where you, you do something like this is happening. You know, our two growth people, Alex and Eunice, Alex is out doing software advice sales stuff, which I've talked about. Eunice is doing AdWords, which I've talked about. Both of them have hit a point where like, you know, we did a little landing page optimization and Alex has like an email flow that he can email people. And like, it was worth doing it manually. And we, in both of them, we kind of hit this point where like, how do we start scaling up? And we had to stop ourselves. I feel like that's, and that's exactly what you were just saying. I feel like that maybe is just a super, is this specific to marketing? Is this everything where you just do the beginning of a project and then stop? I think that it's the essence of how do you communicate? You, this is very applicable to messaging. Um, it's very difficult to scale how you talk about something. Um, because people come in with and, and figure out their own way to describe it. Um, it's why we have multiple languages across the world, you know? Um, <laughs> and so it's, I, I think like it's very difficult to, to, to figure out how to talk consistently about your company um, when multiple people are involved. Yeah. And uh, so just coming together to talk about how we're talking about the company is, I think, something you've got to force. But applying that is not something you have to scale right away. Yeah. But you, I th do you do that? Do you guys talk about like, what, how do we talk about less annoying CRM? I mean, we used to a whole lot. Um, we probably haven't done as much of it recently. And I, I kind of wonder if a part of me is like the product still, even though the product has gotten better, we're not like different. So maybe we don't need to revisit that all the time. Also, we, we hired Demand Maven. I was going to uh, ask which, them, uh, Demand Maven came to mind, like are, they should yeah, be delivering something related to this they should they're hopefully in the next month we'll get kind of their uh recommendations or whatever so <laughs> i'll be interested to see uh now that we're talking about this what this makes me think whatever they say i need to make sure that it's not like me alex and Eunice read it and that's that i need to make sure that that gets pushed out to the whole company um assuming you agree way. with it so I assuming think, we agree with it yeah it's probably not it's probably like goes through a curation of the three of you of like hey no right. this is it this is it and then whatever you curate out of it goes out to the company and yeah you talk about it and train on it and get people aligned but talking about like just throwing it out there isn't enough um there's a whole like kind of adoption phase of it adopting the language um but anyway it's long story short like it's I'm glad, I'm glad that we did it. I'm glad that we're not doing it anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, but great month. Like I, I just, That's I'm awesome. super excited about the business and, and, um, I think JD's got a lot of momentum and, uh, yeah, I'm excited. I have my Thursday morning is like where I let myself work a little bit on like a pelt, uh, uh, this week and I'll probably, maybe if I can generate one opportunity, that would be huge. Yeah. That's great. Congrats. Um, so a few episodes ago we talked about, is there a looming recession and stuff? And, uh, I don't know that a lot has changed since then. Uh, it seems like 
maybe more yes than before, but also still who knows. But I, I I don't know how active on Twitter you are following this stuff, but like a lot of people are talking about like what indicators would a SaaS company expect to see? Do you have any... Of thought, a like, market, uh, an overall uh, market recession yeah, or of like a, of a industry right, recession? Like right. Challenge. So there's, there's no question that, you know, cryptocurrencies are way down. The, like the stock indexes are pretty down. Like we don't need any help with that, but like a question I'm asking myself and based on what other people are saying on Twitter and podcasts, I think a lot of people are asking themselves is like, should we care? <laughs> should a SaaS, especially a bootstrap SaaS company care? And I think the main answer is like, no, unless it affects your customers or something like, like the 2008, if, if something like 2008 happens, absolutely, it's going to affect a lot of companies. Uh, a small number will benefit. Most will, will suffer. But like, I don't know, for example, like, should I be cutting costs or this or that? And one way to approach this is to say, like, what are the indicators I should be looking for to see if, um, you know, if if metrics are changing? One I've seen on Twitter a lot, I'm interested in your thoughts, is the idea that involuntary churn, meaning not people canceling your product, but like credit cards failing, is something you'd expect to see a lot of if mm. your customers are going to be affected by this. Yeah, credit card failures, like, that's a really interesting one where people... Uh, yeah, shift uh, uh, more to credit. Um, they overload their credit, um, and then you know they can't pay their bills. That's interesting. Yeah, um, I've seen a number of people on Twitter say that they are seeing that like skyrocket in the last month. Um, that's really interesting. Um, that's consistent with what I've heard about just how people act in a recession. Um, that gen- generally, like when uh, people don't like to downsize their lifestyles, um, when they uh, when price, let's just say like inflation happens and income go, prices go up, income goes down. People still want to live the same lifestyle. They don't change what they're buying. They they increase their credit consumption, hmm. and um, eventually that hits a limit. In which case you would you know get dinged um, on a credit. You would fail payments. Yeah, that makes that actually makes a lot of sense. Um, how where what's your source? Just Twitter. Like twi- people are yeah, Twitter I reporting. I could, I- I always do this where I'm like, I don't know. I sound like Donald Trump. I'm like, I've heard people say, um, I don't remember who said this. And I guess, you know, that's the consumer version of it, right? Like, uh, why yeah, would businesses I've, be I've any saw, different? I've seen it in the context. Of, they're all kind of B2B SaaS people that I follow. Mm-hmm. So I assume that's what, uh, having said that, I have not seen this. Um, our churn is actually unusually low this month. I, I don't have a good way of breaking out voluntary versus involuntary churn, but our churn is low enough that there's no way involuntary churn skyrocketed this month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Um, trying to think of any other indicators. Did you did you think of any others? Not really. No. Um, I mean, definitely. I, I uh, you'd also expect maybe a certain amount of voluntary churn. A thing I've been keeping an eye out for is: do we see people uh, switching from more expensive tools to us more? Because um, that's the you know I could give a bull case or a bear case for less annoying CRM, but the bull one is because we're relatively cheap, maybe we actually get more customers. Uh, so I've been keeping an eye out for that. Haven't, haven't noticed it, but I'll, I'll keep looking. <laughs> yeah. I guess I mean, your, your two sources of data of, of like, of demand are, you know, how people, you know, the people that are currently paying you, do they continue to keep paying you and why don't they, you know? Right. Um, and then the second is like the people who are considering you, are they more likely or less likely to purchase as a result of that consideration due to the market factors? And, you know, do you have it like, I guess free trial conversion rate would be a, a, a signal there. Yeah, the problem is it's so hard to get feedback from people who aren't engaged yet. Like you can see people did or didn't pay, but it's hard to get qualitative feedback. I do. I read every cancellation message we get. And one downside to having 10,000 customers is it means like every day I'm reading a bunch of cancellation <laughs> messages. That's just normal. Uh, I haven't seen much of a change in that either. But yeah, I would be really interested to know more about the people on their trials. I don't, I don't know how to get that info. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I don't really, we, we can move on. I, just, I don't know I that there's the anything involved, else. Like, it's like yeah. people quitting you or people uh, being more or less likely to quit you and being more le- or less likely to buy you. Yeah. But yeah, I, I did think the involuntary churn thing is an interest. I'd never like seen it broken out like that, that different types of churn might mean different things. So I thought that was interesting. Um, Have you, yeah, that's interesting. Hmm. I'm trying to think like, I mean, like a pelt is a little bit um, of a, you could yeah, you never bo- see you, that stuff, right? You could do both ways, but like, it, what's interesting? Well, we see job loss, so oh yeah, um, but you so, do, you don't see churn directly. Like, no one pays you directly. No, but, no, but we but we see when they churn because our yeah. commission is based on them stopping, and we actually are usually the source of cancellation. So, can you please cancel my policy? Is 
a, oh, okay. a, a message we receive a lot. Um, and we were every month we're constantly reviewing what, whether someone's policy is active to make sure that they're up to date on their payment. So we do okay. see all the churn related to health insurance. But, but what I would say is that the, the most interesting thing about the recession um, is I think they're, the, the people's need for short-term, uh, short-term uh, mm-hmm. health insurance coverage due to job loss, is, that's a signal for us um, that is unique to our business, not necessarily SaaS. Um, but we, you know, we are seeing, I think, more people who are in between jobs um, due to a layoff of some sort who are looking at um, individual health insurance to bridge the gap. Yeah. Are you targeting uh, companies that are doing layoffs or anything like that? Um, from a, from a lead a consumer lead standpoint, no, but potentially that's a, not a bad idea from a business to business standpoint. Cause we could offer some savings on group health insurance if they offer that. Um, but no, like generally a consumer who's in between jobs is not our ideal customer because they're going to just dump us in three months, yeah, um, but we will help them if they come find us, but not necessarily where we want to put marketing juice. Yeah. Um, we'd rather sense. target a company that doesn't offer health insurance to begin with and, um, or their employees. Cool. Back to you. What's up? Um, well, related to uh, JD's, um, the momentum we have, I, I wanted to share like JD, right around the t- time we started building this momentum, started a weekly update format that has um, made our weekly meetings very much offense oriented versus like catch up oriented or forward looking oriented versus past oriented. So uh, Wednesday evenings, uh, he will send an update. And it, it's really high level, and then it gets into the details. So it starts with like, what's our mission? Goes into our core values, uh, talks about our strategic constraints, gets into our goals for this year, and then you know, here's what I'm working on this week. Here's what went well. Here's what didn't go well. Here's what I want to try next. And so it's it's almost like an investor update. Um, a CEO founder would would send um, their early stage investors. Anyway, I. Um, it made me realize like what a good board meeting should look like. And I never mm-hmm. had that at people keep, cause we were talking 90% about what happened in the past. JD, because JD sends his email out and it's so good and I read it and I read it. That's key. Yeah, that's important. <laughs> I, I can show up to our meeting and we spend 10% of the time clarifying any of the things that he wants to talk about or any challenges. And then we shift forward looking. Yeah. It is so much more fun and productive um, and so I guess I just wanted to share this, uh, JD has the template. He's happy to share it with anyone. I'm sure, um, if you're interested in, in the template, um, but so feel free to ping me if you want to see this, but if you have a weekly meet cadence with anyone getting into some sort of weekly f- update format so that you can come into a meeting and talk forward looking versus backward looking hugely, uh, huge leverage there. And, um, yeah. anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm it's changed uh, our meeting dynamic completely and it, kudos to him because he, uh, he did it um, and led this change by himself. But I'm curious, like, do you have any sort of um, f- uh, f- formal communication uh, cadence that, that you guys go through? That's not you going down necessarily, but people coming up to, you know, through the org yeah. to you. Yeah. Uh, I have a few, not, not as, so you showed me what JD sent you and it's awesome. I don't think we have anything quite as great as what you're doing, uh, but, but, so we have like a, it's called GeekBot. It's like a bot in Slack that messages everyone and just kind of like asks. It's kind of like a daily standup or in our case, we do it weekly. That's one way we have information. I wouldn't say going up necessarily, but going, just getting dispersed to, to different people. Um, I meet, I've started meeting once a week with Alex and Eunice related to growth. Once we decided like we're going to get more serious about that. And one of the things we did there is both of them have to write up, like we have this notion board. Uh, where each meeting has a column and they each have to do a write-up with like kind of a template that we have um, that week. So the idea is you go into the meeting, we don't need any updates. And I I think that this is the key thing I want to pull out of what you said is like, if anyone finds themselves in a meeting where regularly, most of the time is being spent on talking about the past, that's a bad meeting. Um, The other version of this I have is with Tori, our designer, uh, we use zip message really heavily, like asynchronous video messaging back and forth. And so I kind of set the rule with her when we have an hour and a half meeting every week. And I'm like, we don't talk about any of the work you've already done. That's for zip message can cover that. This is for workshopping, like bring up challenge. You're not sure what to do with and we'll work on it or something like that. And so, yeah, I, I, I really, I, like I love that, um, di- that, that sort of separation of like sync asynchronous work is for, um, dealing with the present and the past. Um, 
synchronous time is dedicated to the future and to yeah. like what, what humans do well together in, in sync. And that is brainstorming, uh, collaborating and, th- and problem solving thing, like future things. Yeah. Versus belaboring past issues. I love it. We actually have that like a wiki article officially spelling this out that we say there's two reasons to have a synchronous meeting. One is social. Like (laughs) it's not about productivity. It's just you work with these people. You want some FaceTime so you're not lonely. And that's fine. I don't think you should do too much of that, but a little bit of that I think is fine. And yeah, the second is what you just said that there needs to be rapid back and forth collaboration. If one person's talking for more than a minute or two at a time, uh, that's a sign that it should be asynchronous, I think. Hmm. I may follow up with you on on that part of your handbook. That's really interesting. I like to dive yeah. deeper. Cool. Um, but yeah, so that's my update on the weekly update. Um, one other thing um, that was kind of cool uh, related that I did um, between the last episode and now is I got to go to one of the Utah senators' house, uh, federal senator. Um, it was a small gathering, um, 25 people, but it was pretty cool uh, to get to meet the people there and talk and um, there's a lot of people that I had gotten to know uh, in, during my time at People Keep and I hadn't seen for a while, and it led to some interesting follow-ups. Um, and uh, but it, but it, it did two things for me. One, I want to do more of those things because it was so valuable to see those people, and then it was a reason to talk business, to identify opportunities to work together, catch up, and it's people I don't ever see, like because I'm not going to do things like that, mm-hmm. and so it made me. One, want to just go do more of things like that, that I would call like curated groups of people who are in a similar space uh, that have a lot of influence um, that can help can help figure out ways to help each other. Um, the second is just networking in general. Like it's, man, it was, it's just a lost art like over the last three <laughs> years. We, I got to go do yeah. more of it. I don't, I just feel like I sit at my house, I go for walks, I go to the gym and then I sit at my house and I have like this, like my life is broken down into like first floor, second floor, third floor, first floor is work. Second floor is uh, like, so, like living and then third floor sleep. And uh, that's literally how my house is laid out. And um, I, I, I just want to go do more networking, but I, yeah. And I want to do really like high, high quality networking. Do you see yourself in the future? Like, you know, 60 year old Rick being like super connected and like knowing all the politicians and being a mover and shaker. Is that like, I think it's totally fine to, to, to want that, but you're no, this I, I, that's not what I, I don't want that, but I do want to be able to help grow a, my business. Like, Leg of Health is at the early stages now, right? So the the value that a senator can provide to Leg of Health today is limited, but like yeah. the value that a senator could provide to People Keep during certain times when it was like two or three million dollars in revenue trying to raise capital would have been significant, right? Um, so anyway, I, I think like relate like the point is like relationships are everything, um, and um, you if you don't have if you don't nurture them before you need them, uh, you can't leverage them. I think that I, I love that for you. <laughs> I think you can, I just want to say it so that no, like you can start a perfectly successful business without any external relationships. I mean, obviously you need customers and maybe you need employees, but like, I don't, I think it's a great idea for you. I'm not pushing back at all. It's not the only way. A thousand percent. And I'm not su- suggesting that anyone should do this, but I, I haven't done it for a long time Yeah, and I miss it. And it is a significant, once you have some traction with your business, it is a significant source of leverage if you if you know the right people. Yeah. Well, and you're good at it. I don't know about that. I feel very uncomfortable. And uh, you're, you're better than me. <laughs> that's a low bar, Tyler. <laughs> although, like, um, although I, I you get a few beers in you, you're you're pretty fun at a party. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure that's the type of networking I want to be good at, but yeah. <laughs> um, take sevens all, all around. Yes, that that destroys. You'd us come to my networking night. party if I had uh, take seven on tap. That's true. That's true. It's got to be. It's got to be a safe space. <laughs> yeah, and that would be a loose party too, because that'd be a uh, high point. Yep. Yep. Uh, <laughs> all right. Let's move on. You, just talking about net- networking makes you oh, I exhausted. Know. Ugh, ugh, I don't like. Ugh, okay. Um, let me. I, I. I don't have anything interesting. I. I feel like every topic I bring now, I'm like, I don't have any anything interesting here. But I had a discussion with some people I work with that I thought. Uh, I just should share, which is we did a little brainstorming on like, let's say we needed money fast, not like go out and fundraise, but like we needed to increase our revenue 
quickly as opposed to our very slow, patient way. And one of the ideas that came out was to start basically a separate wing of the business doing services. And I've seen a handful of people doing this. Um, Riley from Hostify uh, is one that stands out to me. Is like you start it. Like I feel like the old model is you have a job, you quit, you do services like consulting or whatever. And then you put out an info product and then you put out whatever, and eventually you get to SaaS. And that's called the stair step, right? I feel like I've seen some people with successful SaaS businesses that say, we have this really captive audience that trusts us. We could sell services in addition to to kind of supplement revenue uh, on top of the SaaS revenue. I have a great test case for you. Yeah, what's that? Are you ready for this? Mm -hmm. I want you to look up all of the people that you have uh, as customers in Utah. And I want you to send them a marketing email saying, we've partnered with Leg Up Health to offer um, an individual health insurance service, and we will give you um, 50% of the first year revenue. Yeah, that would be a way to get some money right away, huh? All right, let me think on that. <laughs> that's that's interesting. Is that legal? You can just give us the revenue? Like, we don't have to be licensed insurance uh, we'd have agents to or anything? structure it so that um, it was not... So in order to get percentage of revenue, it would need to, you need to be licensed, but we could basically back into a fixed fee per uh, event um, yeah. that we could pick the event um, and give you a flat fee that would be equivalent gotcha. to that. Interesting. Um, but yeah, like that's, that's one example right there that we could partner on. Um, but yeah, there, you have a, you have a very valuable captive audience and think of yourself like a, as a consumer, like you're not a consumer influencer, you're a business influence, a business influencer. Right. And the, the trick is, is you can't ever violate the trust that you have. Um, but you can, you know, there's a, there's limitless upside if you do it the right way. Yeah. So I was, I was brainstorming options. You just gave me a very interesting one. Um, the best I think we came up with, so like in a perfect world, it would be a supplement to the CRM. The problem is, I don't know, we couldn't figure out like a good service that could be somewhat productized aside from just like, we'll be your virtual assistant, which sounds miserable. Um, the thing that we thought that could be productized is we have a database of 25,000 users. Well, plus all the people who have churned and signed up for free trials and not paid. So maybe call it 80,000. Um, we know which of them have business domains and which of them don't. It would be a piece of cake to just say, let's find everyone with an at Gmail or at Yahoo email and be like, we'll just get you your domain and set up email for you. It's life-changing for these people. Like I did this for my uncle when I moved out to Park City. He's owned a clean carpet, a carpet cleaning business in Park City called Clean mm-hmm. Carpets of Park City. <laughs> um, <laughs> Good name. G- great business. Um, very unique carpet cleaning style. Um, they have some competitive advantages. I'm not going to share them on this podcast, but um, <laughs> he was using a Gmail, you know, uh, clean carpets. I think it was clean carpets like X Mission or something like that, like some local uh, email provider or internet provider. Man, we got him on Google. It's like he's got forms on his website now and everything flows mm-hmm. through it. So it looks so much better and makes him so much, he feels so much better about his business as a result when we set all that up. Um, but yeah, it's like that's a really, I think, a very impactful service that you could use. What I like about it, um, sorry, just building my guts here, but um, <laughs> what I really like about it is you have data and a data, it, you have your customer advantage, right? And their brand awareness, but you also are leveraging the data you have about them right. as an advantage to identify. One, a, a problem that people have, and then uh, two, match it with a solution that you feel like you could. I don't know. The, what other problems do you have data about? Yeah. I mean, we did some brainstorming on this and like uh, not a lot. I don't, I mean, we know like what email client they use. We know if they integrate with a calendar, whether they use Outlook or Google Calendar. I mean, we have their IP address, so we know like geographically where they are, how many users are at the company. Um, that's the, probably the, the, the cool one is the, I mean, the really, the coolest one that you've said is that email one, because you, yeah. you know, like they're, they're missing an opportunity to put their brand forward, um, with a domain, yeah. um, which means they probably, they may or may not have a website. Like there's, that's interesting. Like, and I, I was toying with, cause there's all these services out there that for like another version of this is like a logo. Um, you can pay $35 on Upwork or whatever to have someone Make you know they're they're not like the world's best logos, but they're a lot better than what our a lot of our customers currently have. We wouldn't even need to do the design work, but our customers are not going to be able to figure out how to like go on Upwork and do all this. So I could imagine just like reselling all of these services that exist. We also talked about Wix, like 
We'll set up a website. We'll build web forms that integrate directly into Lesson Learning Serum for you. So it's got a little hook. We'll get your email, your domain, your logo set up. You could imagine like a little bundle. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if there's a business out there that already exists that's like sort of built out the service model for helping people get on Squarespace, G Suite, Wix, whatever. Like they just like are the, uh, like business service provider reseller for yeah. all the value added reseller for all of these like GNA services, um, that touch your CRM. And then you just like could go partner with them to start and test it out and then either buy them, um, and, and expand or build it from scratch internally. Yeah. That'd be a great way to test it and like learn. Um, do you, I know, for example, Squarespace is a reseller of G Suite. So, for example, when you go and sign up with with Squarespace, um, they become your reseller for G Suite. Um, right. Th- so, there's some weird things happening there, but it seems like there's money there that is just it's dollars, and, you know, but it, it's significant on top of to fifteen dollars per user per month. Yeah, and I looked at this. So, I don't think Squarespace, Squarespace, as far as I could tell, has a good like reseller slash partner program, but Wix does, where like. We can bill, like we get to decide what the price is and the customer, they're kind of paying us and Wix at the same time. Google does, by the way, if anyone wants to see the most horrible corporate bullshit website ever, look at the Google Workspace Partners program website. Not a single word on that website makes sense. Anyway, but they have it. And there's a million of these for domain names, like uh, like letting people register domain names through like kind of a white label offering. So I do think you could bundle these together and make... Something like a standalone offering, but where you get a Wix website, a Google Workspace account, and so on. I'm looking at the Google Workspace website. Have you seen a worse like corporate flexible, helpful website? business collaboration solutions for all the ways work is changing? That's like <laughs> that a strategy mean? session. That's a, that's a that's an interesting statement. Oh, right there. Keep look. I mean, not, not right now, but read the whole thing because <laughs> just top to bottom, the entire web page is just awful. And it's Google. You think of Google as being like not that, you know. <laughs> I'm I'm stuck in the past. They are that now. Anyway, yeah. we can move on. But yeah, I, I, no, this is really interesting. Like what? Um, like w- I'm curious what precipitated this. Like I guess it was like brainstorming like ways to be offensive, you know, from a cash position standpoint and growth. But like what? What? Why aren't you just like pulling the trigger on some of these tries? Why is it just a list of ideas still? I actually lied a little bit about what the how it started. What actually okay. happened is Alex is doing all these sales calls, and he's like the the number one. Almost everyone I talk to, we're a great fit for. The reason people don't go with us isn't that they pick a different CRM; is that they're just not motivated to to buy. And we started talking about like, what if we could say, pay us an extra five hundred dollars and we'll do all of it. Like, it's and actually the the tail wagged the dog a little as we were like, what if we could start a services business to uh, activate all of these people? And then that turned into okay, what what would actually the rest? Of, so I'm not r- really in so, the let's make some money short term. So, so so is this what? So let me make sure I understood that. Uh, you have a lot of times people who don't your, are your ideal customers don't buy your CRM because they don't have time to is- install it. Yeah, or they time know how to install slash it. motivation. The non consumption is our biggest competitor, basically. But that's different from they the need, Gmail they need, idea. They, they that's need a an, whole... Yeah, but they need an outsourced... Hypothetically, what they need is they need an outsourced team member to help them yeah. get over the hurdle of implementation. Yeah, to be like, give me all your files. I'll get it all in there. I'll train everybody. I'll, I'll just get everything. And we, we provide a lot of hand-holding, but like, there's a certain amount where it's like, well, they're, they have 20 different Excel files and they haven't cleaned any of their data. And we're like, we can't do that for you, you know? <laughs> exactly. Interesting. But if, if they could hire a VA through us, I bet a lot of people would. Yeah. The problem is, like, yeah, you'd have to, you couldn't give a v- VA a percentage of your fee, but they'd have to have a separate fee altogether that they tack on to the yeah. um, thing. Yeah. That's interesting. So, yeah. We didn't like that one because the money, there was no way where the money worked out where the VA was treated well and we were making enough money for it to be worth yeah. it for us. This yeah. is what we ran into with People Keep Two, or it's like it was so hard to have resellers because there's just none of money. Yep. Um, yep. All right. Cool. Interesting subject. I like that. Yeah. Cool. What's next on your list? Um, I, I just had a realization. Um, I don't know why I started this, but it's really interesting. Like I just started a list of people we could, we would love to work with. Cause I, I got excited about the business again. Um, like and growth, like I was like, okay, well if this goes well, like if we keep this momentum up, like we're going to need to hire people. And what I don't mm. want to do is hire someone that we don't love to work with. 
Um, so I'd like, I'd like to have people. I feel like if we, if we are constantly on the prowl for people that we would love to work with and people that they would love to work with, and we keep a list, it's going to be much easier to recruit our next person when we need to versus, Oh, we need to hire someone and having a blank sheet of paper. Um, so anyway, I'm just, I've started a list and I'm going to, every time I meet someone who I think would be a good fit for anything at leg up health anywhere in the future, I'm going to add them to the list. And I don't know what I'm going to do with the list yet, but um, just having the list as a place to put people and like, I'm always like, oh, you like, oh, you I'm putting them on that list. Is this just a list of every impressive person you meet? Like, you're not going to put the senator on this list. No, it has to be someone. It has to be someone who I think like would uh, potentially be interested in working at leg up health and have value to add. So Mm -hmm. it'd be like it's kind of like people who would consider working at leg up health um, who I believe I had have a chance at getting to work at leg up health. Or I guess that that one doesn't matter. Um, but the 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 key is that that I would love to work with them. And yeah, the, the list is not just important for recruiting. It's the people you reach out to to go. Who are the people you would love to work with? Because the, the key, mm. like like take you for example. Like you may know someone in Utah who you'd love to work with, but you for whatever reason can't. Um, and that's the person I want to meet. Well, yeah, and you know, I'm putting to, uh, like, I'm building up a list of people I want to work with, but that aren't in St. Louis, including like some people who work at Lessening Serum, who over time will leave, and they wouldn't leave the company, if not for the fact that we're based here. I might, yeah, I might have a decent network of people for you to go to when the time comes. Exactly. And I, I know that you're a good person to go to because you're on my list, right? And um, you wouldn't be on my list uh, from a viability standpoint. But but the point is like, um it's not just a list of people you'd love to work with for direct recruiting. It's the people you go to, to get referrals. Um, anyway, I thought it was an interesting thing that I would share. I think other people could, could benefit from that. Yeah. Um, that's cool. And just real quick, let me add, we've hired, um, at least two or three really good employees who, initially we had to turn down because like we didn't have a position open or something like that. And then a position open when we, we have a list of 30 people, not necessarily people like you're saying that you handpicked, but, people who applied at one point or whatever, and we'll just let them all know like, hey, a new job just opened. And we've gotten some really, really good people who waited around in some cases for multiple years for a position to open up because um, they, they knew they wanted to work here. Yeah. And you, you wouldn't have gotten them if you haven't tracked, hadn't tracked that. Yeah, exactly. So um, I like it. So um, last little rant here. Uh, I've actually solved this problem since I put this on here, but it got fixed this weekend. But man, my CPA went dark. Um, they were, I, I was really on top of my taxes this year, business taxes, and they missed, like, they just went dark and they missed the filing deadline. The first Shit. filing deadline, they said they were going to file a, an extension at the last minute. This is after me, like what the hell's going on? They double billed me. There's all kinds of issues. And, uh, finally I, I'm just like, they, they say they're going to do the extension. I let a couple of weeks go by and they say they're going to follow up with me to finalize it. I don't hear anything for like a month and a half. So then I email like, what is going on? I don't get a response. And I, that's when I put this on here. I was just like, I don't know what to do. But mm-hmm. I was getting pretty frustrated because you don't want to, the last thing I want to be dealing with right now is a tax filing for a company that's, that's burning money. Like, yeah, I don't, like what? there's nothing you to don't do have here. Just file the freaking <laughs> return, please. I paid you $1,500 for nothing. Like all you have to do is I do my own accounting. It's clean. Just go fill out the form, please. Um, anyway, they finally got back to me, but I was like, I need to probably switch accountants after this yeah. tax goes through. But do you? It is so hard to find good professional services firms. Ah, and it was. I loved my CPA before this. I loved them, and then I don't. They they kind of merged with this other other firm, and this mm. is just this year's been awful. I mean, I, I'm very happy with ours. Uh, you wouldn't want to use them because they're local, but um, even with the ones, so we've gone through maybe three or four like accounting firms and even the ones we like, we we've had to had multiple times sit down and say, we do not want to file an extension every year. They, they always wait till April 14th. And then they're like, we're going to file an extension. It's like, no, no, no. Like <laughs> I, I, our I, shit is together. Like yeah, we want to yeah, file. <laughs> yes. I don't want to think about this past April. Yeah. And, uh, and it's also bad. They, they'll like, they'll, uh, because our office is like a half mile from theirs, they'll have a courier take the files, the, the paper, and I have to like sign it and I personally have to be the one to sign it. And they never tell us in advance. Sometimes it's like in some random day in September, they're like, there's some state thing you didn't know about. And it's like, what if I was on vacation? You just don't <laughs> file our taxes correctly. 
And so we had to keep telling them, yeah, like get ahead of the ball here, like multiple (laughs) weeks ahead of when we need to file is when they should be coming to my office. Especially these, these small businesses, like where it's like a pretty simple business, like yeah, there's nothing to do. It's yeah, it's so really awesome. frustrating. Anyway, um, anyway, so thanks for listening to me rant. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. resolved, I think, at this time point. At least they, I've been told it's resolved, and I should be getting some email this week to sign and be done. But, but you're maybe moving on. Oh yeah, it's I. I'm I'm done. Like you I can't, can't trust them again. again. No, they probably yeah. added my trust big time. Um, so, and I really, but I, I really like. I got past. I don't, I'm not going to go into. It. I really like the guy who I originally signed up with. Yeah. Um. What's your time like? Uh, should we wrap? Or yeah, I, have I got more some subject? time. If let's let's do your your okay. last topic here. So, this is um, a topic that is flowing out of my uh, sort of JD and I's win from s- s- focusing more on execution over strategy. And I, I just want to talk about. I think this is a very uh, personal question. Um, but uh, I, I, have we talked about the concept of healthy urgency, like you know, get, wanting sure to get have, shit, but, wanting yeah. to get shit done? You know, like. And not just letting sit, like be ap- being lazy and apathetic about things that are burning or not getting done. But like, there's a ba- like there's a there's a, a place you can cross into that gets into this unhealthy territory, and and where it's like too intense. Um, but like one thing I know when I email you is that you're going to read the email and that you're going to respond if you need to or if I need you to. There's some people that like you email and you don't know if they're ever going to read it or email it, right? Like, yeah, it's just a different like urgency when something hits the queue. Um, and I, and my question or topic is just like, what's the right level? How do you decide what the right level of urgency is for your business? Um, at less annoying CRM. And then I, I'm trying to figure out that out with leg up health. And then is, is it consistent across VC backed companies versus bootstrap companies? Is it different? Or is it like people who are like high performers just like innately have this? Is it a personality thing? I'm just, I, I'm trying to decide in a lot of, from, from a lot of different places in my life, like what my tolerance is for a lack of urgency in someone else. Right. And I don't know what my threshold, what it should be and what's fair, but, um, I, I'm, I'm, I've kind of over, I feel like I've overcorrected maybe where I was like way too urgent, like, and, and, and having unreasonable expectations to, okay, this, like I'm dealing, I'm, I'm, I've become too loose. And I just, I, I want to have a bar here where it's like, like when someone's meeting and I'm not going to worry, but when they're below it, it's like, that's not acceptable. And I'm going to talk to them about it. And if it's a repeatable offense, like I'm not going to deal with this. CPA is a perfect example. Like not enough urgency for me. Um, I'm done. Like, but what about, you know, is it different for a venture back company? Is it different for less knowing CRM as a bootstrap company? Is it different for, I mean, you know, yes and yes to both of those. Okay. Like, right. I think there's no question. As soon as you raise money from an investor, your urgency is the ma- the, the greater of what your urgency would have been and what the investor's urgency is. Yeah. And the investor's urgency is always going to be higher. I shouldn't say always. It's always going to be higher than an employee of yours. Mm. You may naturally have this sense of urgency, but like if you hire a team of people, the investor is going to be like move faster in a way that they're not probably right. Well, I'm curious. Like that's where I'm going back to. Like if you hire people who are just naturally, like have this baked in. Mm-hmm. Like does that mat? Like does it work itself out? Yeah. Well, and an- I mean, another question you're not asking, but like, is it like, is it sustainable? Something that I think gets talked like talked about incorrectly, like oversimplified in the indie hacker bootstrapped world is like, yes, we're not as hair on fire, constant urgency that venture backed companies are. And also if you're not working your ass off in the early days, you're going to be at a disadvantage compared to a company that is working its ass off. Right. Like, and you may not make it, you may not make it. (laughs) There was a really interesting indie hackers uh, podcast episode a a while back, like two years ago, I think um, that was DHH, one of the founders of Basecamp versus Natalie Nagelli, uh, one of the founders of Wildbit. Did did you listen to that one by any chance? I haven't. I bet it, I would love to listen to it though. It was basically a debate. Two very successful bootstrap founders. DHH was saying you're actually better off working and like being calm. And Natalie was saying what I personally believe is true is like you should be calm if you have that luxury. But it is a luxury, and in the early days when you're not even default alive yet, you're you're gonna. Your odds are better if you're stressing the fuck out and working really hard, you know? <laughs> I Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, 
I, I don't consider that a DHH a, a calm person. Um, oh, well, no, but, <laughs> but I mean, I do think Basecamp is a call, you know, they kind of, they have the f- less than 40 hour work week. They yeah. take days off in the summer. Like, I think they pioneered a lot of the calm work environment. Um, yeah. but I don't think they appreciate how much they benefited from being like one of the very first SaaS companies ever. Um, I Basecamp would not succeed if they started that way now. Like it would fail in my opinion. It's it's just so much more competitive. So what's healthy and what's unhealthy and where do you like, is this a personal decision on where you draw the line? Um, Do you have a line here somewhere? Like, do you, do you, do you think about this? Um, I'm curious, like, do you think about this intentionally or is this something that just sort of happens naturally? Well, I think about this a lot in three modes. One is personally um, one is for my high performers on the Less Annoying Serum team. And then the other is for the average person on the Less Annoying Serum team. What I really want is an environment where the norm is to not have high... Well, I guess it depends on what you mean by high urgency. It is unacceptable for anyone to just ignore an email. Like That's just a culture thing. That's not about urgency. It's like, do your fucking job. You can't be late to meetings. You can't miss emails. That's just baked into our culture. Well, there's a difference between ignoring an email... F- for three days and I'm ignoring an email yeah. for 24 hours. One is more urgent than the other. Right. And so we have kind of a quasi written, quasi unwritten rule. That's like either answer the email within 24 hours or reply back giving a timeline. That's our approach. But I, so I don't know that that's yeah. Respond. Right. Yeah. Stay on top of your shit. And, and if you can, if you're so overwhelmed by email that you can't uh, complain to your boss, like <laughs> you, you shouldn't be in a situation where you can't stay on top of your email. In my opinion. I, but, I, I mean, that, yeah, if I couldn't do that, I would, I would, ha- I would want to talk to someone about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a problem. I would make a change. Yeah. Okay. But the, so I, I don't so much mean replying to emails with urgency, but more like, you know, if you're in the middle of something and five o'clock hits and that, let's say that's normally when you end work, is there a chance you're going to work till 11 just cause you're in the zone? You know, there's, there's, that's not quite urgency, but it's like that. Will you put in more than what is required because you care or whatever? I don't think that should be expected of a normal employee at a normal company, but I do think like that works. That's a really great quality to have. And I personally want to have it. And I, I did a ton of that in the early days and I would encourage any early founder to do as much of that as they can. And what I'm struggling with, but I think we're making progress on is trying to create a path at less annoying where some people can do that without creating that as an expectation for the average person. I don't know how that relates to urgency, though. Well, it's kind of the same thing. Um, I guess, is it possible to hire a, a team of only people who want to do that? I mean, I'd argue that's what most venture-backed startups do. but On a bootstrap also, company. Yeah. The thing is, I think that's why all those venture-backed companies have so many cultural problems later on, is that's not sustainable. And if you hire a company of entirely that, either... You're going to try to be that way forever and everyone's going to leave because uh, you can't do that long term or I, I don't know. Something's going to break eventually, I think. Interesting. But at a venture back company, that's fine, right? They have this model where it's like, get your equity, leave in four years, and you'll get replaced by a bunch of people who are not you, who, who can figure it out. There's a difference between someone who starts and, and builds a company versus someone who kind of maintains it. I don't think bootstrap companies have this model of incentivizing the early and later employees where everyone feels like that worked, you know? Yeah. What do you want to build? I just want to enjoy working with people and I am, I'm working with a lot of different people now and I, and I get positive, you know, feelings and energy from people who exhibit a healthy amount of urgency and intensity. And I like do not get that from people who, uh, don't, um, yeah. who are the opposite things. And it's like, man, I just, I, this is important to me. I just don't know where I'm not sure where the line is. And I'm, I, I kind of am looking for permission a little bit to have this standard. Um, I don't know why exactly, but, uh, I feel like because I feel so like there's so few people who share the, 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 the you know, the standard that it's like, is it, is it fair for me to hold people to that standard? And I think it is if it's my company. I think it is, but I think there's a different problem from the one I said earlier, which is yeah. also that like not all the work that needs to be done is interesting. Um, and I think in the early days it is. You haven't figured anything out. Even the the menial work is still new and like exciting. 
but there does come a point where it's like we need 20 people answering emails all day. I don't think you want a high urgency or I, I'm going to steal language. I was just re- listening to startups for the rest of us. And Rob has this framework of people are task level thinkers, project level thinker thinkers and owner level thinkers. And he's normally saying you want to hire people who are higher up, like, like project and owner level thinkers. So you don't, uh, whereas a task level person, you have to constantly tell them what to do. And if anything comes up, that's not in their process, it, they, they escalate it to you. But there is a lot or of they task do, level, or they make a mistake or they make a mistake. Right. Yeah. But there's a lot of task level work that needs to get done. And I do think there's a correlation between people who prefer task level work and the, these high urgency people you're talking about. I, I think they're inversely correlated. I don't think most companies have enough high leverage, interesting work that you can get away with only hiring the owner level thinker. Hmm. Or at yeah. least less annoying serum's not that way. We we hire everyone we hire is great, super talented, but some are definitely work to live and some are more live to work. And uh we we need a company that's 75% work to live. Sobering. Yeah. This is maybe an argument against well, you're definitely gonna have this if you're trying to scale services, right? Yeah. So then I think you end up with like maybe an inner circle of kind of owner level thinkers. But uh, yeah, it's it's not great. You I I went through the exact same thing you're going through. And I just don't think it's practical if you get beyond three, four or five people. I'm not ready to like accept that. Um, But but what's the model, though? Like if if you if a lot if. 50% 50% of the work that has to get done is just health insurance servicing clients. How do you do that with that high urgency culture? I don't know. I don't know, but I want to figure it out. And I just, I feel like if we can, it's such a huge competitive advantage um, and just a pleasant, fun, awesome place to work. <laughs> like, um, yeah. But I, again, I, w- I want to reiterate, I do think there are a lot of very talented people that want task level work. So yeah, that's what, I guess that's what I'm saying is like, you can have, it's not mutually exclusive. You you can, there, there are people who, who take their work seriously and, and, and have urgency around their work. Okay. And it's task level work. You're right. I, I think I was, I was probably inferring more than I should have. Yeah. Because the, the reality is our CRM coaches, that's, that's the most kind of process based, like task level type work we have. Mm-hmm. They are the highest urgency people at the company. Okay. A that's developer, awesome a developer can be like. Oh, uh, I didn't get anything done today. Who fucking cares? A yeah. CRM coach can't be like, I didn't answer any emails today. Like that, that can't happen. So the, in many ways, they're the most disciplined people. So what you're saying is, uh, yes, it's reasonable to have this expectation and standard. And if you want to build a great services business, you need it because it's core to the service level task orientation. Now, the question yeah. is like, what's healthy, what's not. Um, and I guess, uh, you know, that comes down to hours worked per week and sort of scope of role and task versus project level type work. Right. I think so. Yeah. I was conflating urgency with all that other stuff. If you're comfortable with someone who's like, they work nine to five, they do what they're told, but they're really good at it. They, they take pride in their work and they don't let things slip through the cracks. If that's what you mean by high urgency, yes, I think it's absolutely possible to do that. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Like anything that comes to them, they're not going to like, yeah, they don't, they, they don't let... Th- I think what, what I'm mostly just like scared of is it, waking up one day and having leg up health, have people at it, like where they just like literally let like the trash can fill yeah. up with trash yep, and they don't do anything about it because it's not their job or they don't have any urgency to like make the world a better place. Yeah. I, uh, that, that resonates strongly with me. We use this example all the time. We were actually, I literally was just writing up on a whiteboard cause we were brainstorming. We did a little exercise in a kind of like culture brainstorming thing we were doing where we said everyone in the room, there were four of us pick somebody that you really, really like who shouldn't work here. Uh, it's, it's easy to pick people like, Oh, I don't want racists to work here or whatever. Like, be, like to kind of make a villain in your head and say they should work here, but it, pick someone you like good friends with something like that, that shouldn't work here. Why shouldn't they work here? And we ended up drawing up on the whiteboard a spectrum of like, I forget exactly what the the breakdown was, but one of them was expects the bathroom to be cleaned for them. <laughs> and it was if that Privileged. if they need that, yeah. they, they they can't work here because like we we have a cleaning person who comes by once a week. You know, if yeah. <laughs> if you take a shit on the wall and won't <laughs> clean it up, 
<laughs> it's going to be a really messy office. Yeah, and people do that apparently. Yes, people do that. I can't <laughs> I can't believe that that's true, but people do that. <laughs> cool. Um yeah, so I'm trying to figure out what my personal standard is for that and it um it's interesting to have the 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 lens of like being an employee um uh, at a at a company and then you know as it, the tiring people and then also have like this company you're building perspective as a founder. So yeah, um, very different, um, but standards are probably the same for me in both places. <laughs> right. I uh, talked, I think I gave this anecdote before, but apparently Jeff Bezos used to, in the early days of Amazon had people build their own desks, like go to Home Depot and buy a door. And I do think that's, that's maybe a little gimmicky, but that's the type of thing is like, I actually think in many ways, venture backed companies are the opposite of, of what you're talking about here because they, you know, they have the snack bar and, you know, all of these amazing benefits and free dry cleaning in the office and stuff like that. And I do think they, they get a little spoiled anyway. Yeah. I'll, uh, I, I can't wait for you to start hiring people. There are going to be so many, uh, interesting discussions to be had there. It's all JD's, uh, JD's going to do it. Um, I just want to make sure I have like this, like, strategic constraint on our hire. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. Well, I appreciate you, man. It was really good to catch up. I, uh, I hope, I'm glad you're feeling better and thank you. I guess it's going to be a little bit before we talk again. Is it? I um, think because I had to, we were going to record last week and I had to delay because of COVID. I think we actually split the difference. So we've got another two and a half weeks before the next one. Um, awesome. but then we'll be back on our normal schedule, I believe. Awesome. Well, if cool. you'd like to review past topics and show notes, visit start to last.com. See you next week. See ya.